never in my life. Uh, sometimes I have to pinch myself, you know, when I walk into some of our showrooms. And the other day I walked into the Dome uh, warehouse where there's plenty of new staff members and one of the employees came up to me and said, Sir, can I help you? And then I, I really realized that the business has grown dramatically. Yeah. You know, you, uh, you always hear these stories of undercover boss, but uh, you never think that something like that could could happen. Hi, and welcome to the LeadDB podcast. It is here that we are focusing on success stories from our alumni from the University of Pretoria. The University of Pretoria prides itself as an entrepreneurial university and also the largest producer of research in South Africa. I'm Lennox Osara, an award-winning radio presenter. Now think about this. Have you ever considered buying a car? Well, stay put because today's guest is a co-founder of the second-hand car retailer, which is the largest in South Africa. That's a WeBuy Cars. They're changing people's perception about used car trading. So that's truly impressive. Uh, they've co-founded the business together with his brother, Dirk van der Waalt, uh, back in the day. And van der Waalt graduated from the University of Pretoria with a degree in higher education, whilst uh, Dirk van der Waalt completed a degree in marketing uh, during their time here at the university. Now, the brothers founded the innovative vehicle buying and selling service back in 2001. And over the years, the venture has grown to be an industry leader, expanding into the footprint of Africa. And one of the brothers, Fon van der Waalt, joins us today on the LeadDB podcast. Fon, thank you for joining us today. I saw you for the first time and I thought, wow, you're quite a tall man. I didn't think you'd be that tall. <laughs> thought you'd be playing rugby or something. Hi, Lennox. Yes, uh, thanks. It's a, it's a privilege to be here. And uh, in fact, I did play a bit of rugby here uh, whilst studying. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Let's just get started, really. I want to hear more about your journey. I mean, you said you had a time where you were early in the days, your parents' vehicle wasn't so reliable. So you sort of kick-started by, you know, learning how to fix cars back in the day. Uh, tell us a bit about that in principle. Uh, is this where it actually began, the idea of We Buy Cars? Not the idea for, for a We Buy Cars as such, but... Um more, more the entrepreneurial spirit grew within me um, during that those high school years. Um, I, I rem- remember, um, I think I was in standard seven or grade nine, as it's known now, and I bought a, a motorbike for four hundred rand. Um, I, I did a bit of work on it and sold it for four hundred and fifty rand. Now, now that didn't sound like great profit, um, but after that, I bought another one. Uh, for 800 rand and uh, that one I sold a few months later for 1,500 rand and then I realized wow this could be something because I really enjoyed it and I I got a real kick um, out of doing the deal and and finding a good bargain to buy. Um, At that um, point in time uh, my mother was a teacher and my father lost his job in 1987 and uh, he, he couldn't really find a proper job and he ended up being a security guard at the CSIR. Um, so when people asked me, uh, what does your dad do? I always told them uh, he works at the CSIR because it sounded glamorous, but in yeah. fact, he was a security guard and I respect him greatly for that because um, uh, he found the means to look after our family. Now, we always drove um, dilapidated cars, unreliable cars, and I had this burning desire to improve our own situation. Now, these were in the days when 
uh, cell phones weren't around, uh, the internet wasn't around. So the only place where you could look for for vehicles uh, that are advertised were in the newspapers. And uh, in those years, the junk mail just came out. So I was always scavenging through the junk mail, looking at the advertisements and, and, and imagining what those cars might look like. Because even in the day, um, they didn't have photos accompanying them. There's just a vehicle description and a phone number. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. I mean, I want to take it back a little bit as well to obviously you grew up with your brother and we you know you spoke about playing rugby as well. I think it was Pretoria. I mean, in rugby, you have the Barrett brothers uh, did so well in tennis were the, the Williams sisters. And in business, I can almost say we have the Vanderbilt brothers again doing the things uh, in business. Uh, what's it like actually doing business with your brother having grown up together? I mean, that must be quite a special type of journey. Yes, we are very different. We've had our fights in our lives and we have differences of opinion all the time and we still do. And I think that's also proven a bit uh, of a, a part of our success. There's something called ambidextrous leadership, which means you've got different personalities working together, but respecting um, each opinion at the same time and taking the best of both worlds and making that work. And, and for us, uh, it served us well over time. I was always the one scavenging the newspapers trying to find a bargain whilst Dirk was a bit more of a visionary and a dreamer and he thought of the idea of actually advertising this as a service and putting advertisements out there stating that we buy cars and allowing vehicle sellers to approach us before they put their vehicle in the market. And that allowed us this window of opportunity or this what I would like to call a golden hour where you're the only person who knows about this vehicle that's in the market and you have the opportunity to go and serve that client. So that's what we did in those early years. We, we uh, coined the name We Buy Cars because we, we wanted a website. Again, Dirk's idea, he said, listen, we need a website. I said, what for? I mean, who's got a website? Now, this is back in 2001. And uh, uh, he insisted we needed a website. So, so we brainstormed it and said, well, then the website's got to explain exactly what we do. We buy cars. And the name was available, surprisingly. And we registered it. And the name um, still serves us very well today. Um, it started generating leads and uh, uh, we no longer had to look for uh, bargains in the newspapers, but the leads came to us. Yeah, it took a quite an interesting turn. And I like the fact that you mentioned that you, you and your brother have got a special sort of leadership, uh, ambidextrous leadership, you've mentioned it. Uh, tell us a bit more about that. How, did you, how do you make it work for yourselves? Because I know a lot of people sometimes struggle with that. That's where most teams die. But in essence, this is where your partnership sort of strengthens. Yes, um, I think it, it, it comes from family, the way you've been brought up. Um, you know, our parents brought us up uh, in a way where we have to respect people and, and respect opinions, even though we have our differences. So um, it, it's like saying, you, you know, you never go to bed angry with your wife, for instance. You sort things out and, and uh, although you might have differences, um, everyone means well. No one gets up today and say, today, I'm going to be difficult. So, so if we have differences, it just means you, you're not truly understanding or listening to that person's point of view. And then in the end, if you differ, uh, one must make the call. So Dirk's always said, listen, Farn, as long as you listen to me and, and you hear what I've got to say, I'll abide by your decision, which which I respect greatly, but also puts a, a quite quite a burden on me yeah. to do. I try and always judge and and make the right decision. Um, we're lucky in the fact that you know we are very agile in our business. We can make quick decisions, um, and if it works, great. If 
if it doesn't, we're agile, we can fail fast and move on and learn from our mistakes. Yeah, some people refer to falling forward, which is a, a truly a good thing. And, uh, you know, fast forward, you've had uh, so much success with this business because uh, in a month you, you're, you're selling over t- uh, 11,500 cars. Uh, you have over 7,000 vehicle bays across South Africa. And you've uh, mentioned as well that about over 2,000 staff members uh, that you employed. So you're also solving that problem of unemployment. I mean, that's a lot. Uh, did you ever imagine that this is how things would be at some point when you started? Never in my life. Uh, sometimes I have to pinch myself, you know, when I walk into some of our showrooms. And the other day I walked into the Dome uh, warehouse where there's plenty of new staff members. And one of the employees came up to me and said, sir, can I help you? And then I, I really realized that the business has grown dramatically. <laughs> you know, you, uh, you always hear these stories of undercover boss, but you never think that something like that could happen uh, in your life. So, no, we, we've never had uh, this big vision to become a really big player in the motor industry um, and I think that's also part of the, part of the success we, we we did not plan this what we did however was to to stay very focused um, we we knew we had something going for us when we successfully bought and sold 10 cars a month 20 cars a month and um, we loved it we we always thought of you know and brainstormed new ways of marketing how can we generate more leads how can we sell our cars quicker how can we uh, improve turnaround times etc so it's always been a science um, but when you're a small business it's difficult to to really use data nowadays data plays a huge role in our business but um I would say the, the the reason for the growth that we've had is the fact that we've stayed absolutely focused. We've never, ever been distracted. We've never tried anything else than buying and selling cars. That's the only thing we've, we've ventured into. Yeah. Um, and the profits we've made along the way, we've kept in, in the business. So we reinvested our time, our money, and all our efforts and focus into the business. We barely took a holiday for over 12 years. So Dirk and I were the buyers of We Buy Cars for those years. So we did everything ourselves, whether it was the marketing or the accounting side or or the the actual purchasing of the vehicles. We drove in our vehicles, we got phone calls, made appointments with clients. So I know Gauteng very well. I've been to each and every suburbs nowadays. And if I visit a suburb where I was, Many years ago, you know, all these memories come flooding back. You know, oh, I've bought Johnny Johnny's Gleg's combi just here around the corner, etc., etc. So it was very interesting. Yeah, you spoke about focus. Uh, take it you don't go to concerts. I don't know if you've been to a few concerts before. I have. <laughs> Perhaps I'm not sure you've been to a concert at the Dome though. <laughs> the only the only event I attended at the Dome was the Jeremy Clarkson Stop Gear Show. Yeah. A, a few years ago, um, where where they uh, had that world tour of the and uh, they were driving sports cars in the dome and doing yeah. donuts and things like that. But uh, yeah, the acoustics in the dome is apparently very bad. So most artists are actually relieved that they won't be having shows there anymore. Yeah, you you decided to buy uh, the dome to have it as one of your show one of your showrooms. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Was it perhaps a moment where you were there, like at a, at a show, like you were, and you said, you know what, I really want this for the business. So how did that come about? No, I would never have thought that we would own the dome. Um, but but we've always had expansion plans, um, and um, we were actually looking at um, a different property in the same area at the time, and that property property deal um, fell through. So we were back to square one, and uh, 
going onto Google Earth and scrolling over North Riding and Randburg and looking at areas and, and thinking, where can we put a showroom? And uh, I casually mentioned to one of our board members, um, why don't we buy the dome? Now, this was right smack bang in the middle of COVID. So, so the dome has been running empty for, for nearly two years at that stage. And, and he made a mental note of that. And I just said that in jest, never thinking that it's even a possibility. Um, but uh, he then went ahead and, and, and uh, contacted the owners uh, who were open to an offer, which we made, and they accepted. And the rest is history. Now it's open. The biggest car showroom in the Southern Hemisphere, I believe. Wow. Yeah, it is. It is a big, big, uh, big venue. So that's very interesting. I was really fascinated to, to learn how that came about. It's, it's interesting to see that you know it came out about as an idea, and you sort of took it on. And uh, well, you've had obviously had several high impact buyers who've shown several int- multiple interests in the business. Naspers, obviously, one of them had offered you about one point four billion at some point, and then the competition tribunal sort of blocked that deal from happening. Uh, whilst the transactional capital put about one point eight billion uh, into your pockets to the business, but uh, obviously. This is a, these are complex conversations, and you've been negotiating from back in 2001. Perhaps you might not be selling a car to somebody now, but you still have to negotiate deals uh, with potentially high-impact high investors. So tell us, take us through how that process goes, because uh, the art of negotiating a car versus the art of negotiating a billion is a different conversation. Yes. Um, look, I studied teaching and, and uh, so I've got no experience when it comes to fi- finances and corporate finance and brokering these types of mergers and acquisition type of deals. Um, so we've made quite a lot of mistakes um, when we started this business. Uh, for instance, as an example, Dirk and I registered uh, the We Buy Cars business initially in our own names. We, which is not a good idea because it, yeah. it, it brings a, along a whole slew of uh, problems, especially when it comes down to estate duty. So we had to restructure along the way. And uh, if there's one piece of advice I can give to uh, want-to-be entrepreneurs or business owners is to surround yourself with the right people, rather pay more and get the right advice. And, mm. and we've been lucky in that sense that we've um, – employed uh, the best of the best within the business who advises us with with these types of transactions and deal makers and hire the best consultants out there um, rather spend a bit more but it saves you a lot of money in the long run yeah and, and looking back what would you say is the most challenging aspect of building a billion rand business so to speak there's various aspects of that um, I think for me initially was letting go so Dirk and I we're doing everything ourselves and uh, we got busier and busier. Uh, picture this, we're driving around in Gauteng every day, buying cars, visiting six, seven, eight, nine clients, having appointments every hour on the hour, working long hours and and, and, and your phone gets busier and busier by the day. So uh, you're on your Nokia 2110 and when you put the phone down, there's three missed calls, you've got a phone back and you realize you're reaching a point in your business where you have to start trusting other people to, to do the job that you've always been doing yourself. It's like leaving your, your firstborn at daycare for the very first time. So, mm-hmm. so, so we, we planned this and we appointed buyers that we um, had to trust to do, to do the job that we've always done. And, and I think we've, we've done a good job at that. Um, we, we've developed a, 
a really good and strong corporate or company culture within the business where our staff retention is very high, people love working for us and, and nowadays we've uh, actually become a, an employee of, of choice uh, or an employer of choice. Um, but it's not been easy, you know, building a, a strong company culture with with the right values uh, is, is always difficult and, and, and making sure that, you know, in your interview you ask the right questions and, and you get the right people on board. Yeah, it's been over two decades now, this journey. What a special journey it's been for, for the two of you. Uh, perhaps from your perspective, is it a mindset that allows you to be successful? What would you pin it to? I know there's a couple of factors, but perhaps there's one thing that you would say, well, this is really the thing that sort of like got us going to this point. Um, yeah, to put it in one word is difficult, but, but if you, you go into head, I would say passion. Uh, if you don't have a passion for what you do, um, then you're certainly going to fail. Um, I've seen many entrepreneurs who are in a business, but their focus is elsewhere because they like that better than what they're currently doing. Um, and they always feel that, but there's something better out there. Uh, for me, um, even today, uh, I will go and have a look at all the cars we've bought. I'll scan through them. I look for the interesting cars mm-hmm. and, I'll, and I'll decide now I'm going to drive that one next week because I've never driven such a vehicle. So I really have a passion for this. And, and just to, to improve on hit rates, making sure the service that we've uh, that we're delivering improves over time. So we, we now have the capability to measure this uh, uh, in so many ways. So, so we, can, we, can, we can see what, what the heat rates are on leads, how successful we are in satisfying customers' needs, how quick we get to customers, and so forth. Yeah, you mentioned something earlier in the conversation about reinvesting the money back into the business. That's so tempting for many entrepreneurs today as to maybe somebody makes a couple of millions and think, ooh, and I can give myself that Porsche or I can get that vehicle that I so wanted to get. But what allows the two of you to just essentially keep the money going back into the business? Because that's quite some level of uh, discipline and focus. Yes, um, I don't know why we did it. My mother was always very, very astute when it came to her finances. Uh, I recall, you know, as a child that that she had had a a book where she wrote down all her expenses and and that principle carried on in our business for for until today. We we know where every cent goes, uh, where every car is and and we've done a daily recon for all those years. Even when it was just me and Dirk, we knew exactly yesterday we bought two cars, we sold one car, the profit was X, we uh, had these expenses and the balance is why and, and, and we have those recons until even today we, we do recon every single day, stock taking every single day. So so we have our fingers on, on, on the pulse and we know exactly what's going on in the business. Uh, there's no surprises. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. And uh, taking you back to where it all started uh, academically at the University of Pretoria, uh, t- tell us a bit more about how the University of Pretoria, you studying at the University of Pretoria, your journey at the University of Pretoria, how that's enhanced you uh, for success. Dramatically. Um, Doing what I'm sitting here doing right now is something, you know, I would never, ever have imagined in my life I would be able to do. In fact, when I was at school, uh, I hated to speak in front of a class. I, I, whenever there was an unprepared or a prepared speech to be given, uh, I, would, I would rather skip that and say, sorry, I'll, get to, I'll take note for this. But I, I had no confidence at all to speak in front of people. 
um, and we didn't have money to go and study. So my, our guidance counselor in high school applied for a bursary for me to go and study uh, teaching at the Groen Groenkloof campus of, of, of Tux. And uh, um, I got accepted uh, and I, I didn't really have a choice because there wasn't anything else for me to do. So I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll go there, but I'm, I, I, I can't imagine myself being a teacher standing in front of a class. But once I got in there, you know, I made friends, I met the right people. Uh, I had some some really good mentors in the form of of of, of, of uh, electors who who saw potential and and they were patient with me, and uh, I made good friends. In fact, one of the friends I made um, in my first year he, today he's the ops manager of We Buy Cars. So so it opened doors for me. Uh, it it grew my confidence. Um, and and what I've seen with especially with people studying to become teachers is that. Uh, um, a lot of them uh, use that as a stepping stone to to grow further into business or, or do different things. So not only be a teacher, but do, be something else. I respect the profession um, significantly. I think um, what I've learned there, I still apply in my daily life um, as a business owner. I'm glad that you've been able to sort of tap into that network and that experience at the University of Pretoria and then, you know, sort of like have those people also contribute to your business. But uh, my final shot at you now is uh, around the future of the business. I mean, it's uh, two decades later, you are growing the business to great length. Uh, perhaps uh, in the next two decades, uh, what can we expect? Well, we've got big plans. Um, we, we've built a lot of technology within our business, uh, which we believe we can utilize in different countries as well. So we have started up in Morocco uh, and we're busy talking to a, a company doing uh, similar stuff in Egypt, whom we'd like to partner with. So we do have an African expansion plan, um, uh, but not also excluding uh, other countries. So we, we are in talks with uh, uh, companies in the UK and Australia. So so watch this space. And then uh, as far as South Africa is concerned, we're no, nowhere nearly done. Um, we believe our market share to be just shy of 10%. And, and we truly believe that we can grow that uh, to around 20 to 25% over the next five years. So we will pursue that aggressively. Uh, wonderful. Well, well, it's been so insightful uh, listening to your story, but also been quite inspiring uh, listening to how everything started and uh, just how you pursued your passion and your belief in, in what you saw could uh, be quite a, a great business. And uh, here we are yet after two decades and you're here. Uh, so thank you so much for your time. I know you're a very busy man, but you didn't make time for us today. So we truly appreciate it. Thank you, Nix. That's uh, Fun Van Vaart, who is uh, the co-founder of We Buy Cars. Quite an interesting story about staying focused and staying passionate. That can take you far in life. Uh, uh, indeed, you can find the Lead UP podcast at up.ac.za forward slash Lead UP or wherever you find your podcasts. This season, we're releasing our episodes on the last Monday of every month. So this podcast is uh, the product of the University of Pretoria's Alumni Relations Office. Our production team includes Samantha Castle, Alna Schutz, and our sound engineers are Louis Cluter Productions. As you can see, the great visuals if you're on YouTube and perhaps the great audio quality uh, wherever you're listening in from. Uh, but from my side, it's nothing but love and light. Till we meet again, stay fantabulous. Stay fantabulous.